Welcome to the Love Your Truth podcast, where we share stories, moments, and lessons from life's beautiful and heart-wrenching experiences, where we explore our wounds, celebrate our challenges, and find healing in allowing all that life throws at us. Here, you will learn to love every aspect of your truth, accept your past, embrace your present, and create your future, all by loving your truth. I'm your host, Sherry Love, certified professional confidence and empowerment life coach, cognitive behavioral specialist, single mother of five, pianist, ultra runner, and human, who is still learning to love her truth, just like you. Hi, everybody. This is Sherry, host of the Love Your Truth podcast, and I am once again sitting in my car commuting to work and have thoughts and I wanted to get on here and record an episode. Hopefully you can hear me okay driving past a big semi-truck right now. (laughs) Um, Here's what's on my mind. Um, First of all, I just want to again express just appreciation for the last two episodes that I recorded that felt very vulnerable to me. And there was so much feedback, so much um, interaction that I had from those two episodes. I just am very grateful for the people who reached out, who have experienced similar things. Um, And I really do hope that something that I shared resonated with anyone out there who might um, need direction. And just, I just wanted to express gratitude. And that is something that is on my mind this morning as I am commuting to work. (laughs) Um, I had a a really beautiful weekend, and I'm feeling a lot of peace and a lot of gratitude. In my meditation this morning, the focus was about um, gratitude. And so before I get started on the topic that I'm thinking about, I wanted to share just my my energy of, of feeling grateful for things and people and experiences and energy and everything that in my life Um, I had a coach tell me that which you appreciate appreciates and I found myself this morning sitting during my meditation and, and thinking about what am I grateful for and and listing those things in my mind and that's something that I would encourage you to do as you start your morning just think about, you know, what are you, what are you, just, what, what are the things in your life that are good? And um, I also recognize that for, for those of you who follow my podcast, who are, um, who have experienced a faith transition like I have, sometimes the word grateful or the attitude of gratitude <laughs> can sometimes be triggering. Um, just the the semantics of it, because there is, uh, you know, those are buzzwords in religious culture, and I, I just want to share that it's not the the words themselves matter, but it's the energy behind the words that matter the most, and there is nothing that you need to attach to, you know being told to be grateful versus just feeling grateful. And for me, I think the difference is I, it's, it's how genuine it feels in your body. 
I think forcing yourself to be grateful for something that you're not is not genuine or even sharing, you know, in, in terms of like prayer, you know, when I'm, when I'm saying I'm grateful for, I'm listing, listing, I'm reciting my prayer, I'm reciting the things I'm grateful for. And, and it's, it's not really going much further than skin deep. And, and I'm not saying that that's true for everyone, but you know, I think there are times when, oh, I'm supposed to be grateful. So I'm just going to say these things and just, it doesn't really kind of resonate deep in my bones or deep in my soul. And so when I talk about expressing gratitude, I mean, really believe it, believe it, because that is where you start to notice the abundance in your life. And especially I have experienced scarcity in my lifetime, scarcity, financial scarcity, even just loneliness, you know, um, in the past and noticing the things that I already have that are abundant in my life. It's hard to feel like I don't have enough when I notice and I'm grateful for the things I already have. And I think what's beautiful about that, and it feels a little bit like magic when I start to appreciate the things that I have, then I, I have this abundance attitude and more comes. And I don't know how to describe that. It feels magical, <laughs> but I think really what it is, is that you're focusing on what's coming in rather than what you're lacking. And the interesting thing is that this is not the topic that I thought I was going to talk about. I just wanted to mention my meditation and then here we are. Um, so I'm going to shift gears a little bit because I think that was an important thing to share, but it, um, it isn't what I wanted to, I, it isn't what I was thinking about. What I want to get on here and talk about is a few months ago, I recorded a podcast sharing my intention to run an ultra race, an ultra marathon for the first time in just shy of two years. My last race was a 50 K in Monument Valley in March of 2022. That was the last race I um, participated in. And since then I didn't quit running, but I, I stopped focusing on training in running. If that makes sense. I just ran for fun. Um, and I, I got into that a little bit deeper with, um, the podcast episode that I shared a few months ago with the marathon mind, who is, um, my, my running coaching business that I, that I share with three other women. And if you're looking for running coaching, go check out the marathon mind. They're uh, fabulous. <laughs> what they do is they, they help runners train for their race, but they help shift their mindset and focus on the, the mental aspect of running because really running 90% mental and the rest of it's in your head. <laughs> and that, that is true for a lot of things. Um, but what I am, what I, what I want to talk about now is how my mindset has shifted even over the course of this training cycle. And of course, um, it isn't just all in your head. You do have to actually put in some work and condition your body. And something that I'm experiencing right now, because I took some time off from the focus of training, even though I didn't 
quit running. I kept running, but I didn't really put in the same level of effort and focus, focused effort because at the time it was something that I needed. I needed to take the pressure off my mind. I had other, I call them my proverbial mountains, you know, going through a divorce, healing from betrayal, um, just learning how to just become the new version of me, the, you know, divorced Sherry, single Sherry, um, Sherry that no longer participates in the religion that she grew up in. Um, those were proverbial mountains that I felt like I needed to climb and I, and I needed to take some pressure off of myself. And so I intentionally created a space in my mind around running where I wanted my running to be my playtime and my, my catharsis and my processing. And I did take a lot of things to the mountains with me and run it out. I did a lot of emotional processing through running. I did a lot of um, just pr pr connecting to my joy through running. And I really needed running to be something else for me during that period of time. And during that process, and I've talked about this quite a few times in previous episodes, I discovered that I had this unconscious thing that I didn't even realize was a thing for me. I, I really did enjoy the accolades that I got from being an athlete and from competing and from pushing myself and training really hard. I enjoyed the feeling inside my body and in my mind of accomplishing those things and doing a hard workout when I do um, a speed workout or, you know, a, a marathon training, you know, a tempo run. And, and what I discovered is that I had to be really honest with myself that there really was a factor in there as much as I wanted to believe I was only doing this for me because I was, but there, it also felt really good to have people look up to me and have people um, admire me. And I became a running coach and, and I loved being able to pay it forward and share what I learned and the knowledge that I had. And um, there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I, I realized how much running was also an escape in my life. Um, and unconsciously, because I started running several years before I found out about everything in my marriage and everything, you know, fell apart. Um, but running, running was a coping mechanism for me very much. And I know that that's true for a lot of runners. A lot of ultra runners I know use running as a coping mechanism. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about running, um, is how diverse it is, that it can be an opportunity for you to process and take, take what you're experiencing with you and, and face it and look at it. But it's also a way for you to escape and put, put things down. And, and I think having a healthy balance of both is good. Um, but something that I have experienced over the course of this past training cycle is realizing this is really, um, it's feeling very taxing on my body. My last training run, uh, two weeks ago was 28 mile run. Um, I planned the course. I invited some friends to come out and do it with me. And I, it was very, very challenging on my body. It was very painful. And I went into kind of like a deep fatigue, almost kind of a depression the week after. And it made me really question, should I be doing this race? 
um, the race is 50 miles and it's the race directors are friends of mine and it's part of my hometown it's the DC Peaks 50 um, so, which stands for Davis County that's where I grew up and these are my home trails I know every inch very well of this race course and and so it feels like home it feels like I'm just gonna you know like the reason I want to do it the reason I first wanted to do it several years ago when they started it was because these are my home trails and two years ago um, at the inaugural race those of you who are in the ultra running community might remember this or if you watch the news if you know two years ago this race uh, in 2021 um, it was it was the inaugural race and I had just run the bear 100 two weeks before and I had no business trying to run 50 mile two weeks after running 100 but I did and what happened was there was a forecast of rain and cold and what happened is we got hit with a blizzard and we got hit hard and fast and we started the race with just rain and by mile I would say mile five or six it was starting to snow I remember um, getting to mile eight and it's at the bottom of this pass called chin scraper and the trees were just dusted with snow and as I started to climb up this it's really rocky technical terrain um, this blizzard set in by the time I got up to the ridge line I there's some really awesome pictures I'm gonna have to post when I share this episode <laughs> that it's just blinding blizzard snow I could I couldn't see anything I couldn't see to my right or to my left I was just step one step in front of the other I don't remember ever being so cold as as in this race and what happened was I got to almost to the first aid station which is at mile 13 and uh, Jake one of the race directors was running the course backwards and he was announcing to everyone hey the race is canceled we decided to call it because of the weather um, just make your way to the next stage station we have people shuttling people home and and I was a little disappointed but I was also very relieved because all I could think about was getting to my um, drop bag at the second aid station and changing my socks because <laughs> my feet were so cold and my hands were so cold um, but I, I joke that that race got called and the weather came for me personally because I had no business running 50 miles at the time so this race and I have some unfinished business and a part of that is just because it's it's home and it the, the course means something to me the people that put it on mean something to me and I I just I just really want to do it but I also recognize that the last two years my fitness has changed my body has changed um, after running that race and after running the bear 100 that fall I have I haven't talked about this on my podcast yet I don't think I um, in 2009 I was diagnosed with Graves disease which is hyperthyroidism I went underwent um, what's called a radioactive iodine ablation which basically murdered my thyroid I nuked my thyroid it doesn't exist anymore it's dead in my body so I have to take thyroid hormone in order to be to survive um, <laughs> in order to be a person and what happened is after that race 
my, and I don't know if it was caused by the race necessarily or just, you know, stress on my body from, you know, you know, emotional stress or just the compound of both. Uh, my body decided to stop absorbing the meds and I went into like severe fatigue because, because the thyroid controls your metabolism, controls your energy, controls your heart rate. There's a lot of little, this tiny little gland that just affects a lot of things. And I had extreme fatigue. I gained a lot of weight to me, for me, I gained a lot of weight for me. And I, and I, I couldn't, like my mental fog was just, the mental fog is just absolutely, uh, well, I'm not, I'm experiencing it right, I'm experiencing it right now. <laughs> um, it's debilitating. It's, I, I, I joked that my brain was on dial up. I, I would have someone say something to me and I could hear them, but it would take this, there was like lag time in my ability to process what they were saying and be able to respond. Um, and, and be able to cognitively think of words. And I experience it now. You're hearing it right now. Um, probably because I'm talking about it. So it's focused and focused in on it. The mind is very powerful. <laughs> and so my body kind of went into a relapse after that race. And so that's part of the reason why I had decided to kind of pull back and, and part of it was because the effort to run was so much greater. It, you know, my body was so fatigued and it, I went to, I changed doctors. I tried different hormones. It took me about a year and a half after that, which is, you know, if you think that was only two years ago, it's only been in the last maybe six to nine months that I have started to feel again, better, um, more myself. And uh, that fatigue is, um, it was, it was, it was pretty significant for me while I was running. And I just realized I, I couldn't go as far. I couldn't go as fast. And, and I still would push my body. I would still get out and, and I stayed in somewhat ultra shape because I, I paced a couple of friends last year, um, for their hundred mile races. And so that's, that was an important thing for me to stay in shape to still be in contact with the community and still be involved and, and still have fitness in my body, but it just has changed so much. And so now approaching this, this race, I, I recognize that I still have some of the residual effects of that change in my body, that hormone change. Um, I have not lost the weight that, so my body physically has changed. My body composition has changed. And I, I don't have the efficiency that I used to have in my body for running. And, and so carrying 25 extra pounds and carrying a body that is no longer the, the composition, I, I no longer have the same muscle mass that I used to. And also my lifestyle has changed. I used to work in the gym. I used to be at the gym every day teaching classes and, and you know, training people one-on-one. And I... I had access to be able to be, um, you know, to, to improve my fitness regularly. And when I stopped working at the gym, you know, and I was still teaching classes for a while, but, but it just, you know, the lifestyle changed a little bit. And, and now that I'm working full time in an office, I have to be very intentional with my time with training 
And that's something that I have noticed with this, this upcoming race that I, I have had, it has been definitely more challenging because before I could, you know, get up at five in the morning, go teach my 5.30 a.m. class and then my 7 a.m. class, train a couple of clients, go home, get the kids to school. And then after I got the kids to school, I could go hit the mountain for a few hours. And it's changed now. I don't have that freedom. And so I still need to get up early and go hit the mountain, but I have to come home and shower and get the kids to school and get to work. And it's different. And, but I, but I got to this place after running that last training run, that 28 mile training run where I was feeling, I wanted it to be a confidence boost for me. And to a certain degree it was I'm like, okay, I can, I can gut it out. <laughs> I'm not as fit as I was. This is probably the least prepared I've ever been for a race, for an ultra race. Um, I definitely don't have the same fitness I did the last time I raced. And so I recognize that it's going to be much slower. And I was definitely not a fast ultra runner before. So this is, this is going to be a little bit, um, you know, I'm going to be chasing cutoffs. But I experienced about a week after running that last training run where I had to really, really give myself permission to take a look and ask, do I really want to do this? And I had to give myself permission to say, maybe I don't, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I, maybe this is a good, isn't a good idea. And why, what's my why? And I, I really struggled with that for a few days of questioning why, why, why am I doing this now? And, and understanding all the reasons why before, and, you know, running was such, it was my identity before it was, I remember, um, the idea of not running before you might as well have asked me to cut off my right arm. It was, it was, my identity was so wrapped up in being a runner and then being an ultra runner that I couldn't fathom not being that. And so this is, this is the important thing I want to talk about because I had to give myself, I had to separate the me from the running part. And here's what I decided. I, here's what I've discovered. Um, I sat down and I really I really sat with both options. I wanted to feel in my body what my truth was and what is my why. And I recognize I've already kind of separated myself from the running community, not intentionally, but it's just you step away from the sport for a while. It just happens naturally. Um, I still absolutely adore my friends in the ultra community and I would absolutely still love to be part of the community, but it has shifted and changed for me. So it's not about the community. Um, I don't, really post much about running like I used to. I'm not an influencer. I don't, I used to be an ambassador for different um, products, you know, back in the day. And I used to be on a racing team and I, it's not for that because I don't have that anymore. So it's not for that. And I had to really kind of break down each of my, my reasons why I used to do, why I used to do this and recognize that none of those reasons exist anymore. I don't need to escape my life. I love my life. I am so happy and grateful for where I am right now. So it's not about escaping my life. And so I realized what is running to me and why do I want to run? 
because running is how I connect to my joy. Running is how I connect to that inner child part of me, that play, just, you know, this childlike curiosity, this childlike wander, wanderment, wanderlust. I love it. Deep in my soul, I love it. When I go up in the mountains, it doesn't matter how fast I'm running. It doesn't matter if I'm sitting on a rock. It doesn't matter. If I am moving my body out in nature, I am connecting to my soul, and I love it, and it brings me joy and peace, and that is my why. And what I've realized is that as I've extricated myself, my identity from the act of running, from the sport of running, I've realized that what I've left, what's left behind is the attitude of I can do hard things. I can find a way to get myself to the brink of the edge. I can get myself to the edge where I don't think I have anything left to give. And I take another step and then another step and I keep going. And I find out there's another level in there. There's another depth that I, did, that I get to discover. And, and that is what I identify with. The type of person that I want to be is someone who doesn't back away because it's going to be hard. That doesn't back away because I know it's going to hurt. <laughs> and I can't. I'm doing this because I can. And because I am honoring my body by saying, thank you, body. Thank you, body, for, for showing up for me. Because I want this. I want to be able to to say I am not I am afraid I'm I'm really scared actually (laughs) I am afraid and I'm still doing it that is that is a that is my why is because I want to be the type of person that even if this is my last ultra race ever I will find another way for me to do big amazing things and that is just one modality it is the running part is not who I am it is the modality at which I express myself. And that is, that is the important thing that I want to talk about here is how are you expressing yourself? It might be running. It might be playing the piano. That's another one of my modalities. It might be painting. It might be dance. It might be art. It might be, you know, public speaking. Whatever your passion is, recognize that the passion piece of it is the who you are and the way you're expressing that passion is just your modality and the the peaceful beautiful part of that is as we age is as you know life evolves things change we're not attached to the thing necessarily but we're attached to the to the characteristics of how and why you do that thing and it, it's so peaceful because it it helps us to continue to be who we are as and roll with the changes of life that if i if this is the last ultra running event that i ever participate in i am still me and the the things about me that make me capable of running 50 miles i still get to keep those things even if my physical body is no longer conditioned physically to run 50 miles, 
I am still the type of person who isn't afraid to try. I kind of want to expand on this identity thing because I think it applies to so many different aspects of our lives. Um, and when things change, it can disrupt our peace if we're identifying with certain aspects of our lives that of, of our lives that can change. For instance, you know, before I got divorced, I identified as a a wife. Um, when you have children, you identify as a mother. Um, when you, you know, I mean, I use running as an example. When you're a runner, you identify as a runner. When you run, you identify as a runner. Um, I also have identified as a pianist. Um, I used to identify as a Mormon. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do that that are aspects of our lives that enrich our lives, but they aren't necessarily who we are. And I think if you can separate out who you are as a person and that recognizing that all of these external factors are just that, they are external factors, they're, they're things that you do, they're part of your life, but they aren't you. And you do have to kind of re-identify yourself when things change. If you're attaching your identity, for instance, when I went through a divorce, I'm no longer a wife. And if I identify with that role as who I am, then when that role is no longer part of my life, then who am I? And, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people who go through divorce experience is um, having to re reinvent yourself, so to speak. And it was an experience that I went through. And what I found was I got to, I got to peel back some of the, the layers that I put on myself during my marriage. And I returned to kind of who I was before my marriage a little bit. And then also, you know, building upon that and adding more to, to who I am now. And and that can change, you know, your tastes change, your, your interests change, your body changes. If you identify with, I am a fit person, um, I think it's really even, um, it's, it, it feels probably the, probably the trickiest one. I think for a lot of people is identifying with a certain body shape, identifying because you you live inside your body and your body is a part of you and it's really easy to identify with um, a, a body type in you know that you live in and I at you know for several years during you know a certain period of my my life I had a very fit looking shaped body <laughs> I had um, I was lean and I had a lot of muscle and I was an athlete and I identified as I am a fit person and over the course of my, my experience as a personal trainer, as a running coach, as a life coach, I have come to a belief, and this is really, really powerful for me, and I hope it can be for a lot of other people, that what, what my body looks like is not part of my identity. It is just what my body looks like right now. And bodies, if there's anything truer... <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know what it is. Bodies change. Constantly, bodies change. Um, I mean, if you take a look at women specifically, a woman's cycle, look at the course of 28 days. Every 28 days, your body is changing so in so many different ways. Your hormone levels change. Even the shape of your body can change over that 28 days. You bloat or, you know, you your your weight will fluctuate during your cycle and so women specifically that should be something that we can rec we can use to recognize my body is not going to stay the same and I hear a lot of of verbiage around like I need to get back to my weight I need to get back to where I used to be and I need to and and my thought about that is why don't you just want to be where you are now? And there's nothing wrong with wanting to change the appearance or the size or the shape or the fitness level of your body because it's healthy to want to improve your fitness and it's healthy to want to exercise and to fuel your body. But, but when you identify with a certain body style or body shape and you don't feel like you are you unless your body is x amount of pounds or size then it then it can affect your peace and that's the whole point of this is trying to help anybody myself included to protect the peace always protect the peace and what that means is i am still me and i have the characteristics of the type of person who wants to participate in healthy activities to honor my body and to to love my body because I want my body to be healthy but the shape of my body or the things I do like ultra running doesn't create my identity my identity is created by why I am doing those things my identity is created by I am so grateful for this body that I live in I am so grateful for this beautiful state that I live in and these beautiful mountains I get to run in. I'm so grateful for for this, you know, the air and like it's getting colder and the leaves are changing and I want to I want to be in it. I my identity is more about being the type of person who wants to experience those things and wants to honor her body by being healthy and and I'm going to find different ways to express that part of me. And it can be ultra running, it can be mountaineering, it can be mountain biking, it can be dance, it can be yoga, it can be playing the piano, it can be painting, it can be whatever you want it to be, but you're expressing who you are through the things that you do. So that means that I am a person and I run. So I could say I'm a runner, but what meaning are you attaching to that, that idea? that I am a runner. I I run. It's something I do. I am Sherry and I am gonna run fifty miles this weekend. <laughs> so I just I just would like to encourage anybody listening to just take a step back and just kind of think about it. Just consider what how you're attaching your identity to the things that you do. Is it who you are or is it what you do and can that change? Um, I also think that, you know, motherhood is one of those that gets a little gray because I am a mother and I always will be 
now that I've had children, I will always be their mother. And the way I show up as a mother can also change. My, I have three children that are adults, and I have two others that are younger. And, and how I mother my children evolves based on what their needs are and what, um, you know, our life looks like, look, looks like, what their life looks like, and what they're doing. And, I, you know, I, I see people who become empty nesters and suddenly they've lost their identity as parents. And, and so you're, but you still get to be that, those kids' parent, even if you don't get to see them very often. And you get to still express how you feel and feel how you feel about them and show up in, in their lives the way you choose to. And that doesn't take away from your identity as a person. Um, being a parent doesn't make you no longer you. I am Sherry, and I have all these things about me that make me me, and being a mother is one of them. And it's also important to me, and I think to most people, that you still continue to, to be you and don't lose yourself in the identity of parenthood. Because then you're identifying your role, you're, you're identifying your, who you are with a role that's based on caring for other people, which is a really important thing, very important. But I think it's also important to keep your identity of you. And, and this year there's so many examples. That's a big one, and I felt like it felt important to bring up. But I just want to encourage you, I'm going to reiterate this, to just take a step back and take a look and examine it and ask yourself questions. And there's no judgment in this. There's no right or wrong answer. If you choose to identify with your, you know, who you are as, as a mother or identify with who you are as an athlete or, you know, a person who really, really likes murder mystery podcasts or whatever, you know, just, just take a look at it and ask yourself, how does this feel in my body? And if this were to change, how would it affect me? And how can I, how can I maintain my peace if this, if I, if I were to never get to run ever again, could I still be the same me and find something else to, to express that part of me? And that's just what I want to encourage you guys to think about. Another way of looking at it is also identifying ourselves with the things that we've done in the past. For instance, I could identify myself as a runner because I have done a lot of marathons and a lot of ultra run race, ultra races in my past. And so I have a comp, this is something I would consider in myself as an accomplishment and I can identify with those things. And so Another another thing to think about is I would still be me if I had not accomplished those things. I did them and it's awesome. And doing doing awesome things does, you know, create awesomeness in your life. <laughs> but you are awesome all by yourself without the things you do. You don't have to create the awesomeness. It already exists. <laughs> um and so 
So I think to a certain degree, if we identify with accomplishment and activity and action in what we do, then there can be a certain level of pressure that we put on ourselves to perform. And that if we don't perform in the way we think we should, then our identity is attached to that as a failure. I am a failure if I didn't, you know, accomplish X, Y, Z. If I don't make this amount of money or if I don't finish my race in this amount of time or, you know, have this amount of kids or I'm a failure if I have a failed marriage or, you know, we identify with I'm successful if I do these things and or or not and and when we attach an identity to those things then we're creating a lot of expectation in ourselves and and I think that if you can identify with I I want to be the type of person who these are the characteristics I want and I can and like I've said before I can have these characteristics and choose to express those characteristics in a number of different ways or I can just have the characteristics. I don't have to show them off. I can just have them. You know, you're, you can have the characteristics and not accomplish something with them. On the flip side, every human on the planet has made mistakes. Every human, human on the planet has flaws. Nobody, nobody's perfect. And there can be a level of perfectionism if we identify with what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And there can also be a lot of shame attached to our mistakes. For instance, in my last episode, I talked about betrayal. If, if you have cheated and you identify as a cheater, then all of a sudden you, you're not taking any responsibility for your action. You're just like, well, I'm just a cheater. And also there's a lot of shame and guilt and, and, um, kind of, maybe even a level of giving up if you identify yourself as a person who did the thing that you did or as doing the thing that you are doing. And if you can say, I'm a good person and I made a mistake, I'm a good person and I did a really, really stupid thing, you know, then you're not attaching your identity to the mistakes that you've made. That means that you get to move forward for them and stop making them. Because if you're just a cheater who cheats, then you're just going to keep cheating. If you are a person who cheated, then you can stop. And that's just one example. But I mean, there's a, a whole bunch of different types of mistakes that we can make. You know, if you lie, if you, you know, mess up at work. I know that there's sometimes, and I actually feel this sometimes, I make mistakes at work. I feel like I'm pretty good at my job, but every so often I, I miss something. There's a lot of details involved and paying attention to to details in my job and sometimes something falls through the cracks and it, it would be really easy for me to to go into shame if I expected perfectionism out of myself and and that, that can perpetuate the mistakes because then you start to think of yourself I'm someone who makes mistakes so if you identify with your mistakes then you're going to perpetuate further mistakes Whereas you can just give yourself grace and forgiveness and say, I made a mistake, but I'm still a good person and I'm still working hard and I'm still, and I'm going to learn from this mistake and I am still me and I am a, you know, I am who I am and I can learn from this mistake and I can move forward from this. And so I just feel like it's really important to, to really just pay attention to what you're attaching your identity to in all aspects and just recognize 
there's something really powerful for me about letting myself be aware of who I am versus what I do and letting myself be who I am and understand my reasons for why I'm doing the things I do and how I approach what I'm doing versus identifying with just the what. And there's kind of this unconscious attachment to the what until we become aware of who we are and why we're doing it. And then you can still do the what. You don't even have to change your action. You can do everything exactly the same, but now you have this different outlook on it and a different identity attached to it because your identity is you no matter what and no matter what you do. And that can evolve and change and grow and expand. And that's amazing and beautiful. And you can learn and um, and decide to stop doing things and decide to create a different identity based on how you want to progress in your life. So I think it's just, again, it just goes back to just protecting your peace. There's something really peaceful about allowing yourself to detach from identities and, you know, external factors when it comes to who we are. And there's something really peaceful about feeling your identity intrinsically within yourself. And it doesn't have to be expressed outwardly to anyone, but it can. And there's nothing wrong and nothing has gone wrong. Everything is for you to experience your human your humanness. That's everything about what you go through in life. Everything that's painful, everything that's amazing, everything that's just, um, I can't remember the exact quote by L.R. Nost, but it talks about the amazing, the awful, and the mundane. And it's all part of the human experience and it's beautiful. I would maybe encourage you to kind of dig deep and kind of understand what lies beneath the things you do. And how are you attaching your identity to, to, to those things? And is it, is it, is your identity the things that you're doing or is your identity the, the how you're doing it and why you're doing it? And I think that's an important distinction. And, um, I'm going to circle back to the gratitude part because this is what it is. I, when I connect to my joy, when I connect to what lights me up, when I connect to my passion, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I am grateful for who I am and that gratitude and that focus on, on the who and the how helps me be able to do the what. So, um, here we go. I get to run 50 miles on Saturday. Um, I'm excited. I'm scared. And I am just going to go play in the mountains for however long it takes. And if I cross that finish line bonus, if I don't, I'm going to have the ex exact experience that I meant to have. And here we go. Thanks for listening. Are you ready to love all that you are, embrace all the parts of you and shine your light and create a powerful life that you love? Join me in my coaching program, where I help my clients find their power within, grow from their challenges, and love and embody their true authentic selves. You can find me at sherrylovecoaching.com and on all major social media platforms. Thank you.